Hi, this is filmmaker and author Michael Morin. Whenever I'm not riding my bike around the Davis campus, I'm listening to 90.3 KDVS College Radio right here. FM. Cool. This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. Uh, We mentioned on last week's show that we were hoping to have Bill Moyers on today's program, and indeed we do. We, uh, We can... We can scarcely believe our good fortune to have had some of the quality guests we've brought you in recent weeks. Senator Eugene McCarthy, Bob Edwards of NPR, Daniel Shore, formerly of CBS, currently of NPR, last week Ambassador Joe Wilson, and today Bill Moyers. Uh, Moyers will come to us in our second segment today when we talks about his new book, Moyers on America, A Journalist and His Times. We were also planning to speak with uh, humorist P.J. O'Rourke. Unfortunately, Mr. O'Rourke canceled. Uh, He decided he wasn't going to give the people that he was um, contracting with the last hour uh, to talk about his new book. He evidently is going to reschedule, and we will hopefully get him at such time. But for the moment, uh, P.J. O'Rourke has escaped the Radio Parallax dragnet. we decided we wanted to have a funny man to take his place, and a funny man we went out and got. Tom Burka will be joining us in our third segment today. Tom is a blogger whose very funny website, Opinions You Should Have, is something you need to go and check out. The place to do that is at tomburka.com, B-U-R-K-A. Well, the big news story, uh, which requires a comment on... Actually, there's two big news stories of, uh, of this past week. One is the continuing ongoing uh, death and remembrance of former President Ronald Reagan, which stretched out into the beginning of this week. We're going to, uh, to address Ronald Reagan, I hope, uh, as the subject warrants at some time in the not-too-distant future. PBS ran a very, very intriguing special Tuesday night on, uh, on Ronald Reagan, that featured Lou Cannon prominently. Lou Cannon currently writes for the California Journal here in Sacramento, and for many years was a political correspondent and editor for the Washington Post, covering presidencies that stretch from Richard Nixon through Ronald Reagan. He's written something like five books on Reagan, and um, I believe he will talk to us in the months to come about Ronald Reagan. There's a lot that needs to be said about him that has not been said in the past week. I was... um, rather dismayed to have seen the efforts made to link up everything GOP and Republican to this popular former president. Uh, I did notice the conspicuous absence of both Bill Clinton and Jimmy Carter in any of the commemorations that took place. It seems to me that we could use in America just a little bit more bipartisanship right now, and, um, and that certainly was not much in evidence this past week. But um, the big story was the preliminary report that was released uh, yesterday on the 9-11 panel that said Iraq rebuffed Osama bin Laden. 
And we should, we, should, we should quote from this a bit, um, um, from the Associated Press and other sources. They noted that uh, in, in blunt contradiction of the Bush administration, the commission investigating the September 11th attacks reported there was no credible evidence that Saddam Hussein helped al-Qaeda target the United States. Well, I'm grateful for the fact that the commission published this finding, and I'm grateful that uh, that, that is, you know, generating headlines all across the United States, but, you know, if you, if you followed events as we did on this program, as things took place, I just don't see how you could have ever bought into this idea. They never presented any credible evidence for it, and, uh, well, that's what the commission concluded. They simply never have come up with any credible evidence for this, and yet, we went to war. Obviously, we went to war because the administration was determined to take a war into Iraq. Before, incidentally, the job was finished in Afghanistan, uh, and I think you may have noticed we used to do a thing called Osama Watch on this program. We gave you an actual count of how many days it's been since um, the September 11th attack with Osama still at large, and I don't know what the total is right now. We're going to pick that up, I think, again on next week's show, especially as election time uh, draws near. Um, you know, the object was to eliminate the terrorist organization that attacked America on September 11th. Instead, we went after Iraq. We went after Iraq because it has oil reserves and because it fit into these neocons' grand scheme of how they're going to remake the political face of the Middle East. Well, that's how we saw it in the summer and fall of 2002, and apparently that's how the September 11th Commission sees it now. Well, we're glad to see they have come around to our way of thinking. Yet, on Monday of this week, Vice President Dick Cheney said in his speech that the Iraqi dictator had, a long, had long established ties with al-Qaeda. There's really no other way to describe this than what it is. A lie. We would like to once again at this juncture quote one of our favorite quotes, that of H.L. Mencken, who said that uh, it's pretty hard to believe somebody when you know that you'd lie if you were in their place. Well, in this circumstance, what else can the vice president say? But again, it is, quite simply, a lie. Now, um, we had something of a missed opportunity, perhaps, on, on last week's program, uh, with our, our, our very informative talk from Ambassador Joe Wilson about what's been going on regarding the outing of his wife, Valerie Plame, and how this could turn into an impeachable offense, even in the event that, that Bush is reelected. Uh, no sooner had we, get, almost literally, had we gotten off the phone with the ambassador than I took a look at an incoming email from Michael Rupert, one of our guests of a few months back. Michael Rupert has put some very controversial things out there. Uh, as time goes by, again and again and again, he seems to have been right about many of these things that look like they were in deep political left field. It's Michael Rupert's belief that at this point in time, John Kerry is virtually a done deal, that the people who count, uh, a lot of people with power and influence, have decided the Bush administration simply have to go. And one of the uh, axes around which this whole incident may turn is the matter of the outing of Valerie Plame. Uh, I think we're going to have to bring Michael Rupert back on to talk about this. He also uh, cites a political favorite of his, Professor Peter Dale Scott of UC Berkeley, who's something of a legit, living legend as regards people that look into what's called deep politics, uh, uh, what's really going on on deeper layers below what's on the surface, what's in the headlines. 
and I believe that uh, that uh, Dr. Scott will I'll come on this program. We haven't formally asked him, but I'm optimistic through mutual friends that we can get him. He, too, would be a very fascinating guest for you to hear. So we're going to work on Rupert. We're going to work on Peter Dale Scott. Stay tuned. And speaking of guests, we'd like to bring back uh, Will Durst. Spoke here, uh, did a little comedy benefit at the Friends of the 24th Street Theater. Uh, it was a, it was a, a benefit uh, uh, on Sunday. We had a chance to go in and say hello to Will Durst, who graciously came on our program last July. Uh, we didn't we didn't manage to nail him down for a time of coming back on again, but I asked him to do so, saying that we need him to balance off P.J. O'Rourke. They're both very funny guys. They're both political satirists, but P.J. O'Rourke tends to uh, lean to the right, and Will Durst tends to lean to the left. And and again, I'm optimistic we'll be able to get uh, get him back. I uh, I, I listened to um. His update of political events, and he is a very funny guy. And I had another conversation in the past week that I think I, I need to, uh, to to summarize briefly. I had a chance to meet Mario Galvan. He's a local activist with the Peace Action and Zapatista Solidarity Coalition. Something of a peace activist, I guess you might say. Well, he decided to go, along with another group, over to Iraq and protest some of what's going on over there. I was quite startled to, uh, to talk to him and, and hear that when they crossed the border into Iraq from Jordan, there was basically nobody manning the border. I mean, they went through on a bus, they took their passports out, but apparently no one stamped them because there was no one there to officiate. So when they got deeper inside of Iraq, the police station there was almost, was threatening to send them back to Jordan because they didn't have the proper certificates, but they just pointed out uh, Mr. Galvan pointed out, well, you know, how are we supposed to do this if nobody's at the border? And I guess they followed that reasoning and decided to let them let them stay. He spoke on Saturday, June 19th, locally about his experiences, and I think we ought to get him on the show, and I hope that he will, uh, will join us and tell us a little bit about that trip to Iraq. But the part that I find so startling about that, just in the brief conversation I had with him, was that this says something about the kind of authority we have manning the borders in Iraq. We have 130,000, something like that, American troops in harm's way over there as, as things continue to devolve and become more chaotic. And it seems clear if nobody's manning the border, then it's very easy for people, radicals, uh, ex-Mujahideen, people with an axe to grind, can enter Iraq from all corners to make U.S. occupation forces the target they seem to be. Well, this is a very bad development. This is the kind of thing that critics of the Bush administration pointed out would happen. And, um, uh, you know, if if there was no evidence before, and certainly there wasn't, that there was a link between Iraq and al-Qaeda, at least under Saddam Hussein, in the post-Saddam Hussein Iraq, al-Qaeda and all sorts of other uh, radical Islamic fundamentalist groups um, <laughs> are known to be present, and uh, we're going to see more of that because there's no one there to keep them out. Civil authority has broken down. So, um, uh, you know, a coalition between the country of Iraq and al-Qaeda is now something that has been brought into being, an unfortunate, unintended consequence of U.S. actions in going to war in Iraq. This, uh, This is well worth talking about. There's also at the Tower Theater... Starting tomorrow night, a new film coming out about Al Jazeera called Control Room, which I think I need to see and perhaps you need to see too. It's been getting, uh, it's been getting very good reviews. A novel perspective 
about what's going on uh, as seen through Arab eyes. I, I don't speak Arabic, and I'm sure most of you do not either, so watching a channel like Al Jazeera, I think, would be, uh, would be rather hopeless. As far as I know, there are no uh, English uh, subtitles or translations available. But we've emphasized on this program, we think that uh, you should go elsewhere to get your news. Uh, I should also preview the fact that we're going to have an interview a couple weeks from now with Richard C. Hotlet. We've spoken with uh, Mr. Hotlet, who was the last, uh, is the last of the Murrow boys, Edward R. Murrow's uh, uh, legendary team of journalists that were hired during World War II. A couple weeks back, we played for you Richard C. Hotlet's description of the beaches on D-Day from a, a plane flying over Normandy. In talking to him, I asked him what news he likes to tune into, thinking he might say um, um, PBS, the McNeil Lear Report, and what he, he surprised me by saying the BBC. I guess he watches the British Broadcasting Corporation via cable. This is something of a sad commentary that one of America's legendary journalists has to turn to British news. But um, and I ran into a friend of mine, I think I mentioned this on a previous program, when Greg Pallast was down in Berkeley, I wanted to go down and actually meet him for the first time um, uh, face-to-face, which was, which was worth doing. But a friend of mine I hadn't seen for years was down there, Reinhardt. He's a German citizen, has been living in Berkeley for years. We got talking about uh, the CNN coverage of the war in Iraq. And, of course, not everyone's aware of the fact that CNN has two completely independent sets of journalists and channels covering what's going on over in the Middle East. Because if they offered European audiences what CNN viewers see here in America, nobody would watch. Reinhardt just sort of laughed and said, you know, they just, they just couldn't do it. Nobody would watch it. And I, I do find that fascinating, that you get much better, more comprehensive, more objective coverage from CNN if you live in Europe than you do if you live in America. All right, it's time to get out. Uh, we're going to have a legend of American journalism talk to us in the next segment, Bill Moyers. Uh, does he need an introduction? I think not, but uh, we'll provide one nonetheless uh, when we come back for those of you who have been living in a cave. Now, Bill Moyers is a legend. He's been uh, on PBS, Corporation of Public Broadcasting. He's been on CBS News. He is. He is a living legend. Let's take a break. You're listening to Radio Parallax. This is KDVS 90.3 FM, and I'm your host, Douglas Everett. 